1. Luke chapter 1. The first few verses of the chapter, the first four verses, constitute an introduction to the Gospel of Luke. Many have taken in hand to set forth a declaration of these things, which were delivered to us from the beginning. And so it seemed good to me as well to write unto you, Theophilus, so that you will know of the certainty of the things which you have been taught. I'll not say any more about uh, that introduction, except that I once read in a commentary that uh, some people think of this introduction. Four verses, it's actually one sentence. Uh, one sentence in the original. Some people think of it as the most beautiful Greek sentence from ancient times. Uh, Luke, as a writer, uh, was uh, a person, possibly because of an educated background, he was a doctor, someone who wrote with uh, a special style, a, a, uh, a style that uh, used Greek in a uh, special uh, way. There were, in the days of Herod, there were Zacharias, there was a man named Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel appeared uh, to uh, them, specifically to Zacharias. Your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son. Verse uh, 18, your prayer is heard, excuse me, verse 13, your prayer is heard, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you uh, a son. When did this happen in relation to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? As you read, there are some time indications. Uh, there are some time indications. Uh, it says that Zacharias finished his ministry in the temple and went back to his hometown. Verse 24, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. Verse 26 says, in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. Nine months plus six months is how much? Is a year and three months. Give or take a little bit, of course. But the appearing of uh, Gabriel to Zacharias, we should understand, took place around a year and three months. A year and three months before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we're thinking about time, think about this fact related in some way to time. There had not been a prophet among the people for around 400 years. For around 400 uh, years. Now, of course, they had the Old Testament scriptures. 
they had the word of God. But throughout their history, from time to time, the Lord had sent prophets who spoke to them, who delivered to them messages from God. Now for 400 years there had not been a uh, prophet. Now is the time. First for John, known as John the Baptist, and soon thereafter for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now is time for them to be born. It's not a matter of John being born and the Lord Jesus being born and the next day uh, we have the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ and so on. But now is time for them to come. The coming of uh, John uh, and, of course, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 15. Uh, this is concerning John who would be born to Zacharias and Elizabeth, it says he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, who does the Bible speak of in this way? To the best of my knowledge, only one other, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that is uh, in this chapter as well. Verse 32, uh, when Gabriel went to Mary, appeared to her, spoke to her, he said in verse 32, concerning the Lord Jesus, he shall be great. Now, he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. The greatness of the Lord Jesus uh, is without bound, without limit. It is above uh, all. If we say that the same word is used of John, that is used of the Lord Jesus, this is not at all to say that John is at the level of the Lord Jesus. For this we cite John himself, who said that the one who comes after me is greater than me because he was before me, and his shoe latchet I am not worthy to undo. So, the greatness of the Lord Jesus, again we say, is without bound, without limit, and above all. At the same time, this is a notable thing for John to be described as being great. And remember that the Lord Jesus, later on, confirmed this. When he told the people, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken in the wind? Did you go out to see someone dressed in soft clothing? Did you go out to see a prophet? No. More than a prophet. Uh, more than a prophet. Prophet, remember, not appeared among the people, not been sent by the Lord for 400 years. So a prophet would have been a notable event, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, I will send my messenger before your face, and he will prepare your way before you. 
and among them who are born of women, this is the Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Uh, Look also at John chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, 35, uh, where the Lord Jesus refers to John the Baptist and the witness that John bore to him. He was a burning and a shining light. He was a burning and shining uh, light. In some sense, the ministry of John the Baptist was unique, preparing people for the actual coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, pointing people to him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But we could say that this ministry is not given unto him uniquely in the sense that every believer should bear witness to Christ. And every believer should say to those around him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We need to be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ in what we say, in what we do. And if John was great in the sight of the Lord, we can ask the question, what about you and what about me? Who are we? Where are we? What are we in the sight, in the sight of the Lord? Look at some of the things that are mentioned of uh, John by the angel Gabriel. Verse 15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. What follows immediately upon that? He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He'll drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now, the details of that I do not want to focus on. It is a matter that can be discussed at uh, some other time. Let us think about what this statement means in general. It means that on a personal level, John the Baptist would live a life of holiness, a life of righteousness, a life which pleased God, a life which followed the Lord's commandments. Perhaps it is easy to stand up and tell others to follow God's commandments, harder to follow them myself, harder to follow them uh, myself. You remember uh, the uh, appearance of the Lord Jesus, uh, the glorious appearance of the Lord to Isaiah in the temple, in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 6. The Bible says that uh, above uh, the Lord there were the seraphim. Each one had six wings. Each one had six wings so that they could fly very quickly. Actually, no. Each one of them had six wings. With two, they did fly. With two, uh, they did fly. And with two, they covered their faces, 
and with two they covered their feet as they cried one to another, Holy, Holy, Holy. Covering their faces so as not to look upon God out of respect for His holiness, covering their feet, the part that comes into contact with the world and is defiled by the world. Remember how the Lord Jesus washed the feet of the uh, disciples. And so, yes, they were crying, holy, 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 and they were flying, but they were also doing something which underlined and emphasized this matter of holiness of the fact that God is righteous. What was the effect of this vision upon Isaiah? One of the things that Isaiah said is, I am undone, halikt. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people who are of an unclean, are unclean lips. I remember reading some time ago, someone might say, oh, I live among people who are of unclean lips. It might be that he's excusing himself. No. No, he's a prophet. He's supposed to have an impact on people. And he's saying, in some sense, that I failed to have an impact. The angels cry one to another, holy, holy, holy. Who am I going to cry to? I can't cry and I have no one to cry to. This same cry. The same cry which has a respect for God's holiness. And of course, part of the vision was that an angel came uh, with a coal that had been removed from the altar and laid the coal upon uh, his uh, mouth. He says, now this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. And then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Men ursil wa men yadhab And then he said, Here am I, Lord, send uh, me. So before there was a delivering of the message on the part of Isaiah, there was this matter of a respect for God's holiness, an understanding of his sinfulness, and a work of God cleansing him. A work of God uh, cleansing him. John, yes, was a great witness to the light. It says in John chapter 1, he was not that light. He came to bear witness to uh, the light. Uh, came to bear witness to the light. The Bible uh, uh, tells us uh, in Isaiah 52 and verse 11, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Look at uh, Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 
9 Corinthians الأولى صح 9 and beginning with verse 24 1 Corinthians 9:24 Know ye not that they who run in a race run all but one receives the prize so run that ye may obtain and every man who strives for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep my uh, body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, Timotheus Tenye Ishah, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and fit for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Moses set out to serve the Lord uh, in Egypt. But then, along the way, there was something that needed to be taken care of. Something in his personal life, in that, ca- in that specific case in his family's life, namely the fact that his children were not circumcised. It was a responsibility uh, that he uh, should have discharged as the head of the family something to take care of. Samson did a number of things for the Lord and a number of things uh, for, uh, uh, for the people. Like uh, John and like the Lord Jesus, his birth was announced, special me- messenger, angel uh, from God. But in Samson we see someone who on a personal level uh, encountered many difficulties and temptations and fell into sin in various ways. And those failures, that sinfulness, had its consequences as far as his life was uh, concerned. The Bible says that Uh, We need to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall uh, see God. Uh, The Bible tells us uh, that uh, the tree should be good and its fruit should be good. As opposed to the tree being corrupt and the fruit uh, corrupt. The Bible tells us uh, in James chapter 1, a pure religion and undefiled before uh, God. There are lots of things done as far as uh, uh, what men can see with a view towards impressing people. Pure religion and undefiled before God. Abstain, First uh, Peter 2.11, from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, love not the world. First John chapter 2. And so, he will be great in the Lord's sight on a personal level. He will live a holy life. A life which is separate from the things which God says that we should separate from. Not just separation from, 
but separation unto مش بس انفصال عن لكن انفصال إلى إلى it's not a matter of throwing certain things out and leaving a vacuum the vacuum will not uh, last something will come in uh, to fill our hearts be filled with the Holy Spirit he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb his mother's womb now the Spirit dwells in the heart of every believer. But to be filled by the Spirit is not the same as the indwelling of the Spirit. To be filled by the Spirit means that the Spirit is in control, that the Spirit has the authority in my life, that He has first place, indeed every place. To be filled with the Spirit is not to start babbling in some uh, uh, with some incoherent sounds. Uh, uh, it is not to start uh, uh, speaking in uh, a strange way. That's what some people think in this day and time. That's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, of course, in Bible times, God gave a special gift at certain times to certain believers to speak in languages known languages of the time. But this was not even in those times equivalent to uh, being filled with the Spirit. If you go on in this chapter to verse 41, the Bible says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary came. Uh, it doesn't say that she spoke in another language. Verse 67, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. He did not speak with another language. To be filled with the Spirit of the Lord means to be under God's control, authority, guidance, to be following Him faithfully, to do His uh, will. Ephesians chapter 5, and beginning with verse 18, Ephesus 5, Be not drunk with wine, in which there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. All these things happen when a person is filled with the uh, Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 speaks in the same way. It says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, and then it goes on to mention the same things. And so we understand that being filled with the Spirit and being filled with God's Word, that these are practically the same. That these are uh, practically uh, the same. It's not the same as having a Bible program. It can give you any verse on your computer, on your phone. It's a matter not just of information which can pile up in a person's head. Although knowledge has its place and value, it is something that is beyond that, day by day, moment by moment. What we say, what we do, is it guided by my wisdom and by my thinking and by my standards? Or is it guided by God's thinking, God's will, God's standards, God's spirit, God's word. He shall be great 
in the sight of the Lord, he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are some of the things that the Bible mentions with relation to the Spirit? In the Old Testament, an interesting statement in Isaiah 11 and verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and of the fear, and, and the fear of the Lord. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, another list, things associated with uh, the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Another shorter list, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. لم يعطينا رب روح الخوف لكن روح القوة والمحبة والنصح. So how do I know if I'm walking in the spirit? Am I walking in these things that I have mentioned? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, we might say. Well, the thing about John the Baptist is that he was filled with the Spirit, and he was filled with the Spirit, it says, from his mother's womb. So not a matter of, uh, uh, as they say, what do they say in Arabic? Darbi al-hafir, darbi al-mismar. It's not a matter of, you know, hit and miss once in a while, but rather having a consistent walk with the Lord, which is according to his Spirit and according to his uh, uh, word. Great in the sight of the Lord because he was filled with the Spirit. Great in the sight of the Lord in the power, in the impact, in the influence that he would have upon others. He shall go before him in the Spirit and in the power of Elijah. He will perform miracles like Elijah did. He will stop the rain coming from uh, heaven. And then he will pray and it will rain again. He will raise the dead as Elijah did, the first who performed such a miracle. He will bring down fire from heaven and he will go to heaven in a whirlwind. Performing great miracles, that's real power. That's impressive. This is not what the Bible says, either here or elsewhere. We make a fantasy. We create for ourselves uh, a, a kind of excuse. And the excuse goes something like this. In the time of the Lord Jesus, many people believed, in the time of the Lord Jesus and in the time of the early church, many people believed because miracles were performed. Now there are no miracles, and therefore people do not believe. This is not what the Bible teaches. We could look at different passages, different places. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall have an impact, the hearts of the fathers, uh, the disobedient, to make the people uh, ready. And what did John perform in the way of miracles? Nothing. Nothing. 
Now you might say that when uh, that uh, the heavens were opened, the Spirit came down on the Lord Jesus. That was not actually John's doing. You might say that John spoke prophetically of the coming of the Lord Jesus. If you want to classify that as a miracle, you can. But most of the time when people think of miracles, they think of opening the eyes of the blind, making the lame to walk, raising the dead. John did nothing of those things. And yet he had an impact on uh, the people uh, uh, around uh, him. And we could speak in uh, the uh, in the time of the church, in the history of the church, of revivals, of times when people have come to the Lord in hundreds and in thousands. There wasn't a miracle that prompted that in any uh, way. Ye shall receive power, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will perform miracles. No, it doesn't say that. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and ye will be witnesses unto me. You will be witnesses unto me uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, everywhere, uttermost part of uh, the earth. He will go in the spirit and the power of Elijah, the courage and the boldness of uh, uh, Elijah. Elijah rebuking a king and queen. Elijah challenging people to serve the Lord and worship him only. Elijah with power uh, in uh, prayer. Uh, in power, uh, with power in prayer. Great in the sight of the Lord. Having a life which is powerful for the Lord, which has an impact and influence on those around us. Nay, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians 15 says that he gives us the victory always through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John says, little children, you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our miracles. No. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Uh, even our faith. The power is not in uh, miracles. The power is in God, in his word, and in his message. I am not ashamed of uh, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Is not my word, Jeremiah 23 and verse 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Alayset kalimati kanar yaqul rab wa kamitraqa tuhattim tuhattim as-sakhr. The hearts of the fathers will be uh, changed. Where he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Some people understand this uh, uh, as uh, saying, uh, as saying that the hearts of the fathers uh, would be changed so that they would love their children, so that they would guide their children, so that they would teach their children as they should, the disobedient turned from their disobedience to the wisdom of the just and the people prepared for uh, the Lord. And one other thing to mention that is mentioned actually before the statement of verse 15. Thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. Sometimes we think, God has placed such burdens upon his children, such responsibilities and heavy duties, and we must face trials and troubles 
problems of one kind and another. Woe is me, this is my lot in life. None of these things move me, Paul said. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, because I want to finish my course with joy. Uh, the Lord Jesus, Luke chapter 10, said to uh, the disciples, uh, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, but do not rejoice in this, because you are supposed to be sad all the time. No, he told them, do not rejoice in this, but rather rejoice in what? Rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced, rejoiced greatly in Arabic. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, uh, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. You have revealed them unto uh, babes. Uh, Mary, the first uh, thing that she said uh, uh, in verse uh, 46 and 47, she says, My soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Uh, Of great joy. The greatness that we speak of. It's not a greatness that is full of sadness and grief. A greatness which is somehow dark and dejected and depressed. A greatness that is somehow fatalistic. What can we do? This is our lot in life. This is our portion. And it's not just a matter of others rejoicing, but remember what John himself says. John chapter 3 and verse 29. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. John 3.29. But the friend of the bridegroom, Sadi al-Aris, speaking of himself, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Let us be glad and rejoice. Revelation chapter 19, the verses that uh, precede the mention of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give him honor. Being glad and rejoicing is not at all out of place or inappropriate. Oh, we need to give him honor. As, uh, uh, as some people say. And now let us be glad and rejoice and give him honor. And give him uh, honor. He shall be great in the sight of uh, the Lord. When the Lord Jesus came, there was someone who went before him. My messenger, who goes before my face, great in the sight of the Lord. Far away from the wickedness, sinfulness, which is present in the Lord, filled with the Spirit of God, touching the lives of many and turning them to God and bringing joy and gladness. People might have a different way of thinking about greatness. 
man who has power, a man who has wealth, a man who has his name in the newspapers and in the news continually. People think in different ways than the Lord Jesus does as they make lists of who is great. John the Baptist's name does not appear. But what people think is what people think. What God thinks is what God thinks. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Do we say, oh, I want the admiration of people and I want my name to be known and I want influence and power and that kind of thing in this world? That's one line of thinking. That's one way to think. And there's another way to think which says, who am I? Where am I? What am I in the sight of the Lord? He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. That's John. What about you and what about me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Luke who wrote these words, your spirit working through him. We thank you for Zacharias and Elizabeth and how you use them. We thank you for your servant, John. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember that the Lord does not see as man sees. Your word tells us in the Old Testament, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord sees so many things which man does not see, does not know, is not aware of. Great in the sight of the Lord. This is what the angel said concerning John coming to serve, coming to witness, coming to point to the light. We pray that you would help us and guide us by your spirit, by your word, so that we would walk in the footsteps of those before us who have served faithfully, who have lived faithfully, who have been great in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his glory. Amen.